Good morning, good morning. So good to be with you. Good morning to you. So glad to be with you. This is day Lord's made and we choose to rejoice and be glad in it for God has done, is doing great and marvelous things. So we thank God for the opportunity to be with you this morning. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. Oh, man, I remember Bishop Roby singing that song, What a Mighty God We Serve. And uh, wow, angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. Wow. Well, thank God. Um, I hope that you all had a wonderful observance um, a couple of days ago of the life of Christ. Hope that it means as much to you um, as it has meant to millions before you. For those that get it, being born again is an amazing thing. It is a wonderful thing. It is a gift from God to be born again. People would always ask, uh, are you saved? And I would, you know, and they think that I'm really kind of being, um, being kind of jovial, being kind of um, a wordsmith when, when I say, I, I don't know what it means to be saved uh, when people say it just generally across the board, but I do know what it is to be born again. I do know what it is to, to have um, those times late at night when the music stops, when the TV stops and you you find that you have tears that are coming down your eyes and you don't know why. Uh, and and uh, in the color purple, they talk about that. Can't sleep at night and you don't know why. Maybe God is trying to tell you something. Maybe God is trying to reveal something to you that inside of you is a hole that only God can feel. Perhaps God is trying to bring you to the revelation as he did for many of us that we were created to be empty without God and to be fully filled with God and that there is no amount of anything that we can place on that inside of us that was created for God. And so if many of you were like me, and there are many that we have this in common, we look for so many other things to fill that place, to fill that position uh, within us, but only God can fill that position for we were created to be fully filled with God and empty without him. There are so many people that are living their lives empty without God, trying to find, trying to look for a way to feel that emptiness and they don't know what else to do. And so they find themselves like, like countless of us have found ourselves time and again, 
turning to alcohol, turning to all kinds of things, sports, athletics, all of that stuff, only to come to the realization again that without him, I can do nothing. Without him, I would fail. Without him, I would be listing like a ship without a sail. All of us have had that experience and only God can help us. Oh, thank God. For many people, Christmas is about the celebration of toys and uh, yeah, 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 it's Jesus' birthday, now give me my gift. I got it, I, I know all of that. But there's such an important lesson that happens on Christmas morning or Christ mass morning. On that morning, there are tens of millions of kids that are receiving gifts. And, and when they receive those gifts, they read it on the outside. Oh, this fire truck can do these amazing things. Only to discover that as amazing as the design is of these fire trucks, the thing that the fire trucks cannot do is operate without power. For many toys, they come batteries not included. And for many of us, when we are born again, well, when we are born into this earth, then there are parts of us that, that do not come alive until we have been born again. The Holy Spirit of God is that power source. It is that battery that, that, um, that gives us life, that allows us to uh, have the power to live out the life. All of us are born batteries, not included, which means that we lack the power to be the husband we wanna be, the father, the, the friend, the brother that we need God's help in order to become what it is we were destined to become, to become a mother, a wife, a sister, a daughter. Um, you lack the power in and of yourself to become what it is that you need to be because without God, you can do nothing. Without him, you would fail, without him, you would be listing like a ship without a sail. All of us are in need of God. Without God, we can do nothing. Without him, we will fail. I've seen it time and time again. I remember being angry with my dad for the father that he was not when, when I was a little boy. Maybe he didn't tell me that he loved me enough or that he cared enough. But one day I realized something. One day I realized that my father, that apart from God, that he lacked the capacity to be the man that he needed to be, the godly man, that he lacked the capacity to be the godly father and husband that he needed to be. He needed God on the inside of him. And so for us, when we look at Christmas, Christmas celebrates the advent, the coming of Christ within us. It is, when, it is that time when the power to become and live out our destiny is now at, at our hand. It's at hand. And as we embrace Christ, 
then we are we have the pathway to being reconciled to the father and being restored to the type of man that God desires for us to be the type of woman that God desires for you to be. You all, you know, you've tried hard. You've done everything that you can within your power to get some things done. But at the end of the day, there are things that you cannot do without God. Hallelujah. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. The title of this morning's message is called to serve slash assigned to lead. In other words, we've been called to serve. But our assignment may be to lead. Well, for many people, that's a challenge because of the models that we've had for leadership are these tyrants that come. These tyrants that say, this is what I want. This is how I want it. But that is not God's way. Or, or as some folks say, say, but it was not that way from the beginning. That is not the way that God had imagined that things would be. That we would lord over anyone else. That we would, that we would live a life that has big eyes and little U's. The call to God is a call to availability. It is a call to service. It is a call to surrender. Nevertheless, my will and not your will be done, O God. It is a great exchange. And the question is whether or not you are willing to be available to God in order to carry out the assignment that God has for your life. Let's look a little bit at Ephesians chapter four. I think it's a, a great study in, in the life of the Christian and what God has for us. Ephesians is believe they have been written by the apostle Paul. And it begins Ephesians chapter four and verse one, and it says this, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you, I beg you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Oh man, this is such a powerful verse because it begins to talk about this whole idea of what our common unity is together. 
It is not your nationality. It is not your ethnicity. It is not your common of the, the color of your skin. That is the greatest thing that binds us together in the big S within the spirit of God. That binds us together in the spirit of God is the spirit of God. Listen, Paul says this right here. I am handcuffed. I have been arrested. I therefore, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. I, Paul, have been arrested. I have been apprehended by God. When a police officer comes and he places you under arrest, your hands are no longer free to do whatever it is that you want to do. Your hands cannot do whatever it is that you want to do. You are no longer able to go wherever it is that you want to go. You have been arrested. You are under arrest. You have been apprehended. My life is not my own. To you, I belong. I give myself away. I give myself away. I've been apprehended. Sometimes we have to stop. And we have to think right there. Have you been apprehended? Have you been placed under arrest to where your life is not your own? To where Christ has a hold of you? What good does it do to say that I am this or I am that? And in reality, no one or nothing, nobody or anything or any organization can really tell me what to do. Nobody. You know, you know, we 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 say we we learn that poem in in college. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit, from pole to pole. I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not. What is it? I have not screamed or what is it? Or cried aloud under the bludgeoning of chance. My head is bloodied but unbowed for it matters not how straight the gate nor charred with punishment the scroll i am the master of my fate i am the captain of my soul in other words that i am in charge and i am at the top of everything and i decide and I desire this and I want this and I demand this. Whereas in contrast, the apostle Paul 
does not say any of that. The apostle Paul does not say that I am in control, that I am doing what I want to do, that this is my ministry, that this is my life to live and have and do what I want to with it. The apostle Paul does not describe himself like that. He says, I'm under arrest. If you are going to be under arrest, there's a certain amount of humility that the word of God says has to come with you. He says, the prisoner of the Lord, I want you to know who I am. I'm like Mayon, officer and the gentleman, when he's on his knees and Luke Osset is telling him to go home, he says, I got nowhere else to go. I've been bought with a price. And so the apostle Paul is saying to the, the body of Christ at that time and is saying to you as a follower of Christ today, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So he says to walk worthy of it, but then he says, and, and this is how you do it with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering and bearing one another. Bearing one another, putting up with one another, dealing with one another, even though it's difficult and even though it's hard and even though people are stubborn and even though people can be difficult, that we are to bear one another. We are to carry that weight of one another. And yes, it's heavy sometimes. And yes, people are not easy to deal with, but it is this that God calls us to do. The Apostle Paul, he says it over and over again. When he's writing to the church in Ephesus, he is saying, look, that this call on your life, and I want to be clear on something, the call of a lifetime is not to your church, the call of a lifetime, is not to your ministry, is not to your gift. Your gifts are part of the assignment, is, is part of the assignment, but it is not your calling. Your call of a lifetime is to availability to God. See, if you don't understand that about people that are sold out, they can't be bought, they will not be moved. They understand something that they have been called to God. He wants our availing ability, our ability to avail. God is not impressed by the gift that he gave you. What impresses God is your willingness to be captivated by him, to be captivated for him. You want to move me? That's the leverage. If you want to know what moves a person, find out what their God is. 
If it's money, you can buy them with money. You can leverage them with money. If it's fame, you can, you can buy and leverage them and get them to move by the opportunity to have a great name because they're always looking to say, whoa, look at me, look at me, look at me. They point to no one else, but a servant always points to his master. A servant points to her reason for being. Paul says, I decrease that Christ might increase. That God might be magnified through me. I've been called to serve God. And if I've been called to serve God, I am like the apostle Paul. He is speaking. I am a prisoner. I've been captivated by God. I have surrendered to him. Remember the story in the Civil War where the Union General Ulysses S. Grant is meeting with the, the Confederate General Robert E. Lee. And Robert E. Lee, he makes a request. He says, um, you know, I'd like to make some requests as a part of this surrender. And General Lee said to him, both of them had gone to West Point. There was much respect. Lee was top of his class, that kind of deal. Um, and Lee had much respect for, I mean, excuse me, and uh, Grant had much respect for Lee. And as, and as he, Lee was prepared to surrender, He said to Grant, I have some conditions. And Grant says, there are no conditions in a surrender. We're not making a treaty here. We're, we're not making a compromise. Surrender is arms down, hands up, palms up. I surrender all to you. Brother, you got to give up everything. There are no conditions to surrender. And you know that. So here this Southerner out of Virginia who led the Confederacy, he surrendered. And after surrendering, he made the request on the backside that the horses and guns that my men have, we didn't give it to them. They came with them um, and they've got to go back to their families and work. Can they have those? And Grant permitted that after they went through a process of pledging allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. For they had sworn an oath to the insurrection, to the rebellion. That surrendering is not enough. Responding to the call, making a commitment to the new direction is what was required. As a person in rebellion, you have no rights. As a person that was in rebellion, the, the nation, the union owed you nothing, owed them nothing. So it is with God that when we come, we do not compromise. We simply surrender. Have you surrendered to God for real? With lowliness and gentleness? with long suffering, 
bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. See, when you are called, your calling is not your assignment. I know what we teach. I know all that other stuff. But in, in prayer, pure practicality, your calling is not your assignment. When, call, when God calls you to himself, he says, come here. Come to where I am. And, any, and if any of you ever had a big mama, when big mama called you as a child, you didn't go to play football like you were gifted. You didn't go play basketball like you were gifted. You didn't go to sing another song. You didn't go to exercise your gift. You took your little legs where Big Mama was. When she called, your response was surrender. No matter what I'm doing, no matter what the agenda is, there is nothing more important in this moment right here than to close the gap between where I am and where Big Mama is, and she's not coming to me. I must go to her. And when God calls you, if you have yet to respond to the call in your life, then you have not been born again. You do not have a kingdom and godly assignment because you do not get an assignment until you have been reconciled with the call. And when you have been reconciled with the caller and you come with a spirit of surrender from that, you get an assignment. But it is impossible come from God when you haven't been with him, to bring a word from a God that you have not been with. So in Ephesians chapter one, when, when, when the apostle Paul says, I, 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 look, look I, I, want, I beseech you walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. The king of the universe has said, I'm gonna set you apart. You're gonna be something special. Doesn't mean you're going to be the next Billy Graham. It doesn't mean you're going to be the next Mother Teresa. It doesn't mean that you're going to be the next Diedrich Bonhoeffer, the next Martin Luther King Jr., the next Martin Luther of the Reformation. It doesn't mean that you are going to be that. It doesn't mean that you're going to have the voice of an angel, be the next Shirley Caesar, or what, what it means, the thing that we all have in common. We used to say it in fraternity and sorority world, we crossed the burning sands. We have crossed the gap of surrender together. So that we say, what's up, Sands? That's what we'd say, right? As fraternity brothers and sorority sisters, we cross those sands. We cross those burning sands to close the gap between where we are and that which we were pursuing was we had to cross the burning sands and for us that are in christ the burning sands are the sands of surrender not negotiation when you surrender you do it with lowliness of heart when you surrender you are not puffed up you are gentle when you are when you surrender you are long suffering nothing is putting you out of your way Convenience isn't a question. You have realized that I cannot go on living the life that I was living the way that I was living. I must surrender. 
There are others that are with me. That my surrender is not just an instantaneous thing in my life. It is not just an experience. It's as I'm walking together with others, I surrender my individuality, my own selfish will to take on an identity of we. We the people in order to form a more per perfect union. We the people. We, we work with our children to surrender their individual will to have a consciousness of we, the family. It is, that, it is that cowboy that is within us. All of us are born fiercely independent. I am my own man. I am my own woman. I remember the old preacher said that there's one song that will not be sung in heaven. And that is... I did it my way. There, there was no child that grew up in Richard Woodson's home who said, I did it my way. Who grew up in Frank Woodson's home, I did it my way. Oh no, the father, he always wanted things to be his way. He realized that for my kids, oftentimes, sometimes, at some time. The problem with me was that I wanted it to be done my way in my home. The problem I have with my father is that he wanted everything done his way, the beds to be made his way, the yard to be cut his way. He wanted it his way. And for many of us, our problem and our challenge with God the Father is that God wants it done his way. It's not enough that we do the right thing, but we must do it his way. And our problem with God is that he has a way, but yet I have a way too. And so God, you and I need to reconcile your way and my way. We need somebody to get together because the way that you do it all the time, God, I just don't agree with it. And so God says that there is a way that seemeth right to you, but the end thereof is destruction. So right now, as long as you're in my house, as long as you are in my kingdom, it is my way. The song says, I say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I say, yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey. And God, when your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, not half-hearted, not half-minded, not half-will, with my whole heart, I will agree and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. When God calls us to himself, I want to talk about your ministry right now. I don't want to talk about how many folks you run in on Sunday, how many people you led to Christ. I don't want to talk about how wonderful you are that you read your Bible twice a week. So what? Are you available to God? Have you responded to God in your life? Have you been apprehended? Have you been put under arrest to say, have your way with me, oh God? Or are you still trying to negotiate a surrender? 
Now, I used to say that when people were tarrying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And so in the Holiness Church, Pentecostal, Apostolic Churches, there's this process called tarrying. When you get down on the altar after you have uh, made a commitment to Christ and you would call on Jesus, calling on the Lord, you would call on him, Jesus, Jesus. And I always imagine. And what would happen at the point of surrender, then you would get the gifts. At the point of surrender, then you would receive what they call the baptism of the Holy Spirit which is a whole nother story. It is then that you'd be filled with the spirit, that you would begin to live a spirit-controlled life when God poured his spirit out upon you. And I always looked at it, and that that brother, that sister was down there saying, 60-40, Lord, 60-40, 60% you, 40% me. That's a pretty good deal. Nobody's ever had that much of me. I'm willing to give you 70-30, God. I often believe that when a person was down there tearing, they were waiting. When they were tearing, they were waiting when they should have been moving. When they were tearing, they were waiting when they should have surrendered. When they were tearing, they are yet they are yet to respond completely to the call because they are tearing until they get to the point where they say, I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. And it's at that moment when they say that a purging would happen, that people would receive the Holy Ghost, that the Spirit of God would fill them, and that there would be a displacement of whatever's on the inside of them being purged out. Folks may not have known what it was, but some folks called it the Holy Ghost. They didn't, oh, they've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah, they're crying out, and, and, and there's evidence they, they're speaking with other tongues, and it's an amazing thing. Why? Because the displacement has coming, and, and it's filling them on the inside, and out of their mouth will flow rivers of living water, life. And for many that have had that experience of speaking in tongues, it's like rivers of living water that come out of your mouth and all of a sudden you just, ah, you are in worship. Nothing else matters. You are in the presence of God. Jesus. Something happens when you surrender. When you surrender, there's other things that are available to you. that the one that does not respond to the call to come forward and turn in their arms. Why? Because we are at war. We are at enmity with God. We are in rebellion to God, just as the Confederate soldiers launched their war of insurrection. They rebelled against the union, the unity, so that they could have it their way. They had made a pledge to be a part of the United States of America, to be a part of this unity, but they rebelled because of an issue. And when you are unified, the things that hold you together is not your ability to get your will all the time. The things that hold you together, look at verse number four. 
before you can walk in unity, verse number four, Ephesians four, verse four says, there is one body and one spirit, capital S, not a bunch of little spirits, but one spirit, not a bunch of little churches, but one church. There's a oneness that we are called into to embrace that if we don't get, our families don't improve, our neighborhoods and communities do not improve, our, our city does not improve, our state and our nation, they do not improve. And we as a species do not improve. We become extinct. Verse four, he is saying over and over again, and I know I'm taking my time with this because there's some good stuff down there in Ephesians 411. What do you get in your welcoming package of the spirit? Uh, uh, you know, your, your spiritual gifts of the apostles and pastors and teachers and uh, da, 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 evangelists and, and all that stuff. I'm not talking about that right now. I'm talking about the first six verses in Ephesians chapter four are about your surrender. You can't be restored. You can't be given your gifts. You can't, you don't get the benefits of membership without becoming a member. And there are so many people that are wearing the Jesus t-shirt, but they have not crossed those burning sands of surrender. And if you're wondering, how come I don't experience the gifts? How come, how come I, you know, I haven't, I haven't experienced this speaking in other tongues. You can't surrender for an hour to watch a broadcast. Oh, that's too long. Let me multitask. You can't surrender an hour lest the Holy Spirit be talking to you. See, it's not about what Pastor Frank is saying. It's not about the deepness in these thoughts that I'm trying to drop on you. Because if the Holy Spirit does not illuminate the words that I speak and the words that I read from the scripture, if the Holy Spirit doesn't illuminate them, you can't see what God is saying. You can't see what Pastor Frank is testifying to. Because you haven't surrendered. If you cannot surrender an hour to God on a Sunday morning, I seriously doubt that you can surrender your life for 168 hours each week. The spirit of flesh, the spirit of rebellion wants to multitask. I want to scroll. I want to open up other screens. I want to do these things right here. Don't you see, nobody's going, you're not going to hell for that. So it's no big sin and there's no guilt tripping, anything like that. It just means that you're under, you have a divided attention when it comes to the things of God. But when it comes to the things that you want, you don't have a problem with division, division, seeing the moment differently. You can't, you can't go into agreement with your God, with your wife, with your husband, if you, if you are divided and what you're doing in this moment, what are you doing? Because if you're not listening, you keep, you're not listening to me. Let me say it another way. Yes, you hear me, but the words that I'm saying, in order to have understanding about the things of God, the spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit must illuminate them so that you can see what I'm saying. 
what I'm testifying to. So you can see what God's word is saying. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. people that go to church all around the globe and never have an encounter with God. Because they cannot block out the thoughts of the world to have a conversation. You know, it's, it's like the little kid who waits to see his father, his mother come home and, and when they come home, When they come home, they um, they ask them some perfunctory questions, but they really never engage them. This week, I was talking with a sister in the Lord. She said, Pastor Frank, I'm sorry I wasn't available to call you. I was dealing with a situation. Um, her, her stepdaughter committed suicide. She's 11 years old. She took her life. She had made the decision that life was not worth living anymore. She did it in the house with her family. I said, I said, that is troubling and it's sad. My heart aches for you and it aches for the family that is experiencing that. I said, but I also want to caution you when it makes its way into family. Because what happens is hopelessness is not only an individual experience, it's also a group experience. It is a family experience. When a person takes their life, it impacts everyone in that family. Because we are connected together in the little S, the little spirit, in our soulish realm, we are connected together. I said, it must be arrested. It must be evicted from that family. She said, well, it's true. Because two months earlier, the same family, they lost another daughter to suicide. This whole idea of hopelessness, whole idea, when everything is shaken out, they, the God of this world has blinded them to see that they have something to hold on to that they have something worth living for.
We're telling our children, we're telling others that God is worth holding on to, that God is worth looking to, that God is worth having faith in, faith in God. Yet we cannot surrender for an hour. Jesus preparing for the ascension and he comes and his disciples have fallen asleep. Can you not wait? He goes back up preparing to ascend, be seated at the right hand of the father when he returns. Can you not tarry for an hour? Whom is it that you seek? You've tuned in for a reason, but whom is it that you seek? God can use me to share a word with you. But unless you are available to not only hear it, but to receive the illumination that comes from God, then you miss the whole church experience on a Sunday morning. You miss the experience of the teaching because there's no opportunity for illumination. So you're ever increasing in knowledge, but never increasing in understanding. Because if the moments of teaching and testimony about God's word is about you being intellectually stimulated, then you miss the spiritual relevance and opportunity that's there. Ephesians chapter four, verse three, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. It is, it is the unity that we have. It is the unity that brings me back over and over again. It allows me to be long-suffering. It allows me to be gentle until you get it. It allows you to put up with me until I get it. Verse 4. You've got folks that have not only surrendered in your family, but have not responded to the call. And you feel the tension because you're playing one song in the band and they're over there playing another sound. The band for which we are a part of to where there is one band and one sound is the band of the most high God. We are one band and one sound. And we move together and we beat together. Paul says before all this other cool stuff about your ministry gifts and all that, all of that, none of that matters if we don't get Ephesians chapter four, beginning in verse four. There is one body and one spirit. That's a big S. Yeah, we all got spirits. That's a little S. He called you to be a part of the big S, the one spirit, the uncreated creator. God. God says that in my kingdom, there is but one spirit. There's but one uniform. There is but one band. There is one beginning. There is one song being played. Ephesians chapter four, verse four. There is one body and one spirit. 
just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. You'll never live out the power of your life without receiving the power of life that comes from the Spirit of God. You will be like that fire truck on Christmas morning as a little child and you are the ones that's making the sounds of the fire truck because there's no power on the inside. There are no batteries. And many of you are running around with your life, pushing it across like it's a fire truck. And you are the ones making the sound, pushing a button on that, on that doll, but no sound coming out of the voice, uh, the, the body of this doll, all the sound is coming out of you. You are creating the appearance of life, but there's no life in the gift of life that you have received. We being many members are all in one band. We have the same shoes, we have the same uniform, we have the same hat that is on top of our head. We have various instruments, but we don't really become a band until we synchronize, until we began to play the song together and be, until we began to march together, until we become uniform in what we are doing. Yes, we are male and we are female. Yes, we are of different nationalities. Yes, we are of different ethnicities. Yes, we speak different uh, languages, but we play one song. And our unity is not forgetting that we are different. Our unity is remembering that we are different, but the miracle is that all of us who are so different can become one. That's what's so amazing about grace. We're one band, one sound. We are one body. We are one church. And so, and so we've got to do it his way. Hmm. My wife would tell me about uh, Sister Brenda, who was a music instructor. I don't remember what her last name is, but she is famous in Birmingham for teaching kids to sing. And that if you were out of tune, like I would often do, I know that I heard better than everybody else. I was on tune, I was in step, and the rest of the band was out of step. You know, I could relate. When the lady looked down on the field and said, look, at that's, that's my son right there. Out of all those people out there, he's the only one in step. She said, Sister Brenda, would, you knew you were out when that eraser would come flying across the room and hit you or you would duck saying, get in. 
step. I'm saying this morning, get in step with the body of Christ. But to get in step with the body of Christ, you have to be in step with God. But if you have not been with them, if you don't have those times when you are with God, when then you don't have the ability to come from God, to hear from God, because you had not been with them. Oh, my goodness, you all. I've spent so much time here. Tuesday night when we come back together. Tuesday night at 6.30. We'll talk about the second part of that. The first part is the calling to availability, that the call of a lifetime is to availability to God. On Sunday morning when we come, we have a call to worship. Well, this ain't no worship service. We ain't in the church. We don't have no music. We, ain't have no, we don't have no prayer. We don't have, that's not what worship means. That's your practice. Worship is an intimacy time, an intimate time with God. And when we come, we do it together. That's corporate worship. Worship means to come forth and kiss, to move into close proximity, to give away your two feet and now your six feet. For some of you, you've never gotten closer than the six feet with God. We've spent too many Sunday mornings doing the right thing, going to the right place, but missing the reason for going. Because if it's not the six feet, we did not let God within our two feet. And if it's not the two feet, it's the 18 inches. Metaphorically, the distance between your brain and your heart. As I'm listening to God's word, there's nothing else. Even as I'm testifying and sharing with you God's word, I'm listening. I'm listening to listening for God's voice. As a pastor, I read the scripture. As a pastor, I give testimony to the validity of it. So whatever credibility that I have, I lend that credibility to the truth of what is saying in the application of that truth that has made a difference in my life. in it, I, I'm, I'm becoming different. God's word challenges me to become different. There's a point in here where he talks about the new man. And, and that we are to become as new creatures and he says, do not grieve. And so this is where we are end because our, think our, our time is about up and boy, did it fly by this morning. This was the question. 
that I've asked so many. And that is, when is a thief no longer a thief? When is a whoremonger no longer a whoremonger? When is a liar no longer a liar? Whatever you put in that, when have you become different? And people will say when they stop lying, when they stop cheating, when they stop uh, doing all the sinning, when they stop doing all these things, but it's not true and hidden. And this is where we will end in Ephesians 4.28, hidden within that text is this statement. It says, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands at what is good that he or she may have something to give him who has a need. You know that you have been changed, that you have surrendered to God when you have become something different than what you were. I apologize that that our, our, our religious experience has taught us that as long as we think different every now and then, that we're okay. But surrendering is not thinking differently. Surrender is a posture. Coming to God is a posture of surrender, of being under arrest, of giving up my rights. It is not the ability to manage your sin better than your mother managed it better than your grandmother managed it or to manage your dysfunction better than your grandfather or your father managed their dysfunction. It is surrender when you become something different than what you were. Then you can sing the songs that the old saints sang. I know I've been changed. They would sing it with so much pain. I know I've been changed. I, I know I've been changed. The angels in heaven done sign my name. They would sing it to where it was, it was almost chilling because they seen a difference. I used to steal, but I no longer steal. I work at a work that is honorable that I can have to give to the poor. Those that are in need, I know that I have been changed because I have become something different mm, than what I was. I've been born again. I'm a new creation. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. God never called you to manage your sin. To do less of. To make progress in. Some things you just need to quit. Moderation isn't the issue. Some things you just need to leave alone. 
Yeah, I paid my tithes, I got it, but you hadn't changed. Nobody loved my mama more than me. I give her a gift, but you haven't become a servant. You're still doing you. And the one thing that doesn't happen in surrender is that you still do you. The one thing, the one song that is never sung in heaven, that <laughs> was never ever sung in my father Richard's house, I did it my way. If you sweep the floor, there was a way. If you wash the dishes, there was a way. If you set the table, there was a way. And every now and then, one of my big sisters, they had a way that seemed right to them. But the end thereof was destruction. My brother Michael had a way that seemed right to him. But the end thereof was destruction. In other words, destruction. What you were building had to be destroyed because it could not be built on another man's foundation. You do not get to negotiate the terms of your surrender. But in the surrender, it is then that you receive all that you need for the new beginning. And so when we come together Tuesday night, 6.30 p.m., we'll talk about part two of this right here. Call to serve, assign to lead. The call of a lifetime is to availability to God. And Big Mama would call me, then I would receive my assignment. And if I needed to make a purchase, if there was a cost, I would also receive the resources that I need to be successful in the assignment. And if authority was needed, me being the youngest, when I would come back, my mom would hear me crying because of those tyrants and bullies that my four sisters and two brothers were to me when I couldn't get my way or, or Linda was just feeling devious. She's just going to do something. And they would do something low down and they would laugh. And my mama would say, Frankie, come here. And I'd be crying, mama, mama. And I'd go to where she was. And I would tell her what was going on. And, and she would give me a word. She says, I want you to go back into that situation there and you tell them, I said to do this and that if they don't do it, she said, I'm about to let you cuss just one time. Tell them that I said, I'm going to whip their butt. Oh, I went back in there. It wasn't a holy boldness. It was a mama boldness. And I went in in the flesh. Mama said that you got to make sure I get my own bag of popcorn and it better be half full. And if you don't, she's going to whip your butt. I got that popcorn that day. I was feeling empowered because mama bear was behind me. When you get used to spending time with God, when God calls you, the call of a lifetime is to availability to him, but he's not calling you just to exercise the right to call you. He's calling you to empower you for the assignment that he has for your life and to give you everything that you need for good success. But you got to surrender to the call in order to receive the glory 
of the assignment. The call of a lifetime is to availability to God. And from that call will come the various assignments to which God will equip you to for the rest of your life. If you have not responded to the call of God upon your life, it's simple to do. You must surrender. Where he is, I want to be. Where he calls me to, I will come. Where he sends me to, I will go. But it is impossible to do anything for God without having been with him. If you want to be great for God, you go where he is. Surrender your time. If you can't surrender an hour, I seriously doubt that you can surrender a life to a moment to be with God. Let's pray. Father God, we do love you. We thank you, Lord, for this time. Father, I had a message that I desired to preach. You had a message that you desired to send to my brother, my sister, to me, oh God, on this day, that I would move into closer proximity to you. No fanfare, no group movement. It's an individual movement, oh God, of surrender. That I must not only show up, oh God, that I might surrender, that I might put my arms behind my back, that I might be apprehended, that I might be placed under arrest of your spirit, oh God. You are the uncreated creator, the maker of all the universe. My availability to you is directly tied to my surrender so that I too could be like the apostle Paul, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ. I am enslaved. I am a love slave. I willfully give a life that you have given me. I surrender all to you, O oh God. Before I have not known what it looked like, but I, God, I don't know what it looks like for 168 hours in a week, like Pastor Frank talk, talked about. But God, I can start with 10 minutes in the morning. I can start with an hour on Sunday. I can start and begin with an hour on Tuesday. I can start in the small things. No multitasking, no, 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 no doing other things if at all possible. But oh God, I can surrender myself to have a moment with you to where you touch me. And if you touch me, Lord God, I will never be the same. So that I can sing like those early church mothers and fathers, he touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. 
Father, I pray that my brothers, my sisters that hear this would surrender to your presence. And then surrender to your will. For we have so much work to do in our families, in our communities, in our cities, in our nation, and in this world. So all to thee, my precious Savior, teach me, O oh God, with all humility, how to surrender the moment that I might surrender the minute, that I might surrender the hour, that I might win the life and the destiny that you have created for me before the foundations of the world. So God, I say, so let it be unto me. So let it be. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember a charge to keep I have, a God to glorify. Remember that someone's destiny is tied to your assignment. God bless you and God love you. Hey, my Covenant Community Fellowship, we love you guys. Um, be looking online for mycovenantcommunity.org in January so we can stay better connected. We love you. God bless you. To my, my broader family, my covenant community out there, we thank God for you. Move closer to God. Learn to surrender a moment to God and see what he does with it. It's like giving somebody $100 and they give you 1000 back. When you surrender an hour to God, he gives you days. When you surrender a day to God, he gives you years. With long life, I will satisfy you, saith the Lord. God bless you and have a great one. Remember, do it God's way. Surrender to him. God bless.